Okay, so just as we're moving through this year, I just wanted to highlight um, a few of the things about church that that we really would love to see happening um, in our fellowship. Understanding that as Christians, we are meant to be different from the rest of the world in, in lots of areas. And this morning, I was just going to really talk about in terms of how do we actually become a community. Um, you know, I've read out before, and I'll read it again right now, about how the believers in the beginning, after that amazing day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit just came upon those guys, they went out preaching the gospel, a community started to, to um, come together. But this is a different kind of community, something that really hadn't ever been seen before. In fact, it was so different that people were actually afraid to join them. At, at times, um, they'd look and they'd say, no, we, we're just a bit scared of this stuff this Christianity, their lives have been so transformed and so altered that we're looking at that community and we can see this is not how we live. Now that community is definitely based on the life of Jesus. So this morning I was just going to go through a bit of a list of of some of the hallmarks of that community because we know that we don't always meet the mark of what we're meant to be. But isn't it good to know what the mark is? What is it that we should be aiming for as Christians on how we live together as community. Now, the reason I really want to do this is because as we go through this year and we start to look at gifts, we need to understand where the gifts are for and who they're for. And it's not for us. Our gifts are not for us. And and part of understanding that is to understand the type of community that Christ has called us into. So this morning I'm hoping to give a few examples of how Christ lived and, and the way he did community when he was alive and maybe highlight a couple of verses where in the New Testament, in the letters and and things like that, that it talks about community and how it's done. And you've got to say that community is really important, but what does it look like? Because we're all part of different communities, aren't we? Um, You might hear as as the news comes on, it's like, you know, the, the cricketing community is really upset because someone died or the football community because of a drug scandal or, um, you know, this town where this murder happened, it was a tight-knit community. What does that really mean? Is it actually really true? Or is this just words that roll off our tongue? You see, Jesus actually changed the way things were thought of. The time that he came into was quite a brutal time. It was, it was almost a time where... Um, leadership was to be desired as a, as a place to grow yourself. Um, there was not much love for others. There was this real sense of them and us. Um, even in the Jewish community that he came into, it was like we are the Jews and everyone else is excluded from that. Women were treated terribly overall. And there was no place for equality. There were slaves, they were free, they were rich and they were poor. And really equality and we're not talking about everybody being the same but that equal value of each person was not regarded how different it is today now we know that there's so much of that that undercurrent in our community wanting that equality everyone being the same and and people having the advantages that are the same but where did that all spring from that came from jesus christ himself he is the one who showed us how we should live and the effect and the influence of the church throughout the ages has been so great that it's, it's been taken on by the Western world as values that they really adhere to. Yet, 
they can't really come to their fullness without the presence of God. So we're going to look at that. So let's read from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And we've read it already. We're going to read it again over this time because we want to know what sort of community we're meant to be building. Because let's be honest, most of us don't really know what community is when we come into a church. We, we've got some idea and, and, look, so, and, and some communities are very strong, but they're not built on Christ. So if I talk to you about, say, a bikey group that, that rode together, they would have very strong bonds because they spend time with each other, they, they know each other really well, but it's not with God. God make to us, when people become Christians and they finally understand the love that God has for them and they're brought into their kingdom, what are they being brought into? What is community? I'll just, yeah, I'll read this and then I'll just show you my beautiful diagrams that I've worked on all day. As the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, sorry, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All of the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's such a beautiful picture of what church can be like. But so many of us have probably come from a place where we're like, that's not my church experience. Whether it's here or somewhere else, there's, there's certain parts of that that you're going, gee, I wish that was happening. I wish that was happening at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship. I wish that was happening at this other church I come from, whatever it was. But there's things in there that just tug at our heart. We're like, man, I wish it was like that. I wish we were that group of believers. And the truth is that we can be that group of believers because there's no difference between us and the early church, that we both, we all have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And that Holy Spirit came to transform our life. He came to transform the things that are in us and, uh, and start to change the way we think, the customs that we have, the, the um, jealousies, the insecurities, the, the want of property, the want of being the greatest. And Jesus was an amazing example of how you build community with the things that he did. All right, let's just have a look at these drawings. <laughs> Are they good? <laughs> no one's seen circles so beautiful. All right, let's turn it over, actually. And I'll turn it around. Can everyone see that? I'll bring it forward. Oh, when I build a new church, we're going to have the biggest whiteboard. <laughs> okay, there, see it? Okay, so number one, let's think of these as three different pictures. We got this picture, that picture, and that picture. So in your mind, what represents community the best out of them? Let's, we can do hands. One, two, three, three. Okay. 
So, I would say three myself as well because I don't do it and that's what I think. But let's, let's think of this in terms of, of actual community. All right. Any community has to have things that bind them together, right? What binds the Christian community together? Well, we know the Bible says in Ephesians that we have one faith, one Lord, one baptism. One Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. One Holy Spirit that binds us all together. There are certain things that we do, like when we come together and gather together for communion, that binds us together. But in essence, what we need is purpose, fellowship. Purpose and fellowship are huge and common faith. Okay, as Christians, what are we walking in commonly? So number one would be sort of like a, a group of individuals that are just all doing their own thing. Number two is the crowd. Okay, so while there's sort of like, if you looked at that, you'd say, yeah, that's a community. Remember how we talked last week about the difference between the plus sign, the minus sign, the vision and the multiplication sign? Those who were here, if you weren't here, you can get the DVD. <laughs> no, the message will be also on the website. Okay. But every person knows that in any community or any group of people, there are certain tensions, there are, are feelings or what you, you might call oh, the spirit of that place as you walk in. Okay, if you've ever walked in after a husband and wife been fighting, which probably never happens with any of you guys, but sometimes I've heard husband and wives don't, don't agree completely. They might be having a fight, the door, door's knocked on, the door opens, you walk in. Everything looks good. Like it was really bad. You ever felt that? And as our world, we don't really consider that all the time. What, what is the, the spirit or what is the, the things that we can't see that are happening? And we talked about people that can be either negative, which means that when they come into a group, they take away from that group. They can be positive, which means that as you know, they, positive, they walk in, it's just like, yeah, we're so glad we're here. They're adding something to this community. They're bringing something in. Then you had the divisive people, which they're the ones that are poisonous. And, and what the Bible says is those type of people, people allow a root of bitterness to start to grow within a congregation or a group of people. You see it in any time that people get together, whether it's the simplest form of community, which we call marriage, two people coming together, or whether it's a larger group. And then, of course, there's those that we said that they might be the multipliers in, the, in a place. When they come in, things happen. People's lives change. They are just the type of people that you know they're going to be investing in others. They're the ones that are going to be growing things. They're going to be bringing something to the table every time they're there. And the challenge was pretty much last week. What am I? Who am I? Who am I in this fellowship? Because this is what we're talking about today, right? But you can translate it to anywhere you want. Who are you in a workplace? Who are you in the marriage? Are you bringing something to that marriage or are you there to take from that marriage? What is it that you're there for? What about your family? The same thing. And if we want to be a church that's dynamic and growing in the way that Christ wants us to, then that is really important to think about because we can come together on a Sunday during the week. What is it that actually binds you together with someone else in the congregation? Are you bound with someone? So we see here we've got the little 
networks between people and you see that person's there and this person's there but somewhere there's that connection and of course in any larger sized body you cannot be connected to everyone individually and this is where it's important what is it that I'm bringing to the table here? But we want to build our community in a Christ-like way, don't we? We don't want to be just building a, a group of people that that share a good time in common, because that's really not what it's about. There are things that if we do together as a community, we'll begin to build us into that church that God wants us to be. Now, I believe there's a lot of these things happening, and certainly in part in, and, and sometimes going really well. So this isn't like a blanket, hey, we're all doing really bad, we're not loving each other. I don't believe that's true for a minute. I love this church so much. I like coming here and I'm the pastor. So that's a good thing, right? And let me tell you, there are some pastors that don't like going to their own church because the love is just not there between the people and they are not growing in the things of God. So because we're going to be starting to look at gifting a little bit later on and, and what that might mean, I want you to start to think this way. What am I in this community? There's a whole lot of things that need to be done. Just um, Well, let's talk about the difference between our, our calling. We're all called. This is sometime. We'll have to explain it more later. But my gift and my responsibility to my brother and sister. Everyone knows that in any household there are chores, right? Is anyone here gifted at doing dishes? Yeah, Neil Lee, please come over. Yes. <laughs> you can do my dishes anytime, buddy. <laughs> anyone gifted in sweeping and that's their passion in life? Not many. Dean, apparently. Good sweeper. But there's chores that need to be done right in any household. It's the same with the church. And, and I'm going to just keep talking about these things. This isn't like a, a guilt trip thing, so I don't worry about packing those bags. But we're, we're just wanting to start to think, what if we wanted to work like a real community? What does it really look like? Am I bringing something to this place? Because honestly, this will not be how it's meant to be until every person in the body is doing something. They're doing what they're called to do, whether it's tasks or responsibilities like that. You know, you know like at home, like I said, we've got chores that just need to be done. Does anyone know that a five-hour task can only take five minutes? When we were contracting, you could go and look at a job and you could say, yep, that will take 10 hours to do. But you know you can do it in two hours. Why? Because you bring five blokes with you. And all of a sudden that task that is really huge and big becomes a lot quicker. And can I also tell you this, it is a lot quicker exponentially as well because it's really hard to do something by yourself, isn't it? The Bible says that, you know, it's better to have two people because if one falls, then the other one can pick them up. There's something more dynamic about relationship than doing something by yourself. And the church of God was never designed to operate as individuals. Never. If you have a look at what Jesus did, did he say, righto guys, I've got 72 of you. Can you all go singly out 
and start to spread the good news around. No, he didn't. He said, guys, pick a partner. Off you go. Things were always done in community. It's about that getting together, the mission together. And we are called together to a mission to share the good news to this nation, to this city, to the people that we know and work with. God is about community, so we want to build that community really well, don't we? Okay, so what are some of the things that that we're going to commit to if we want our community to be functioning how God wants it to? What are the qualities that we might need that the energy of God gets involved with? Because we know the Bible talks about this when two or three are gathered in his name at the simplest form again. The very simplest form. You can have two people gathered in his name. Where is he? He's in the midst, right? Jesus is there. That brings something to the community, doesn't it? They're gathered in his name. They're saying, let's follow after him. What does he want for us? Okay, so let's have a look at at some of the things. And these are in no particular order, so I'm just going to bounce through a whole list of things. And as we're doing that, you will probably have things in your mind and go, yeah, well, that's good, and this would also be good, and this it's not a complete list of, of what a Christian community is. But what I want us to do is start thinking this way. Before we can act anyway, we have to think it, right? Isn't that like what Jesus said? If you start to lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery. If you're angry, you've already committed murder. What's he saying? Does that mean that if I'm angry, that's as bad as murder? Of course not. But what he's saying, everything starts with the thought, what are the patterns of my life that I'm following after? If you start lusting after women, you will commit adultery eventually. That's what he's saying. At some point, you're going to pass over from the thought life into the natural life. So what does he say to us to do? Set the things on the things above, which are what? Pure, lovely, holy, beautiful, things of good report. And that is why it's so important to get this engaged with what God wants for us. So as we start to look at community, I don't want you to be thinking like this. Oh, they're not like that. It's their fault. Because everybody has this responsibility. Is it the pastor's fault? No, it's not the pastor's fault if you don't have friends. It really isn't. Because I've got friends, and I can't be everybody's friend. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is calling us to make this mature judgment call and say, it's my responsibility. The Bible does say, yes, carry one another's burden. That's true. But it also says each man is to carry his own burden. What does that mean? means there's some things in life you just have to carry yourself because that's what you're meant to do to grow and mature and there's those heavy things that what that's what that means the heavy burdens we're meant to come together and lift each other up and you need to be in community for that when you can't carry the burden yourself you need people around you and this is your responsibility but it's also the other person's responsibility as well If I was to come to Cornerstone Christian Fellowship today and walk through those doors and you didn't know me, how would I feel? What would it be like here? Would it be that people say hello? Would it be that they invite me to coffee afterwards in the kitchen? Would it be that I sit there and no one talks to me? Would it be that I see groups of people gathering only together, people that know each other? Or have I taken a responsibility to say, if I'm in that group, I'm going to meet someone new? And even more than that, am I then a catalyst for them to meet others? 
Hey, new person, come and meet so-and-so. Now look, I know that not everyone wants that. Okay, people, sometimes you come through a door and all you want to do is be left alone. You just want to observe and that's all cool. No trouble. But what is the heart of our place? Are we inclusive? So let's go through this list before I run out of time and ramble on too long. Because I just about have. And we might nut these out a little bit more later. Okay, firstly, it is a commitment. You cannot have Christ like community without covenant. It is so easy to walk away because of one offence. Imagine if that happened in your marriage every day when you're offended and you just walked away every day. That we're not these one offence wonders that as soon as we're offended we walk out. As soon as things don't go our way, even though we've had a great, great time for nine years, this one, one offence, I don't work through. And Jesus modelled that. He modelled that. And he also shared that. Okay, so that's the first thing. Let's understand it is a covenant. How strong are you committed to Cornerstone Christian Fellowship? Have you made a commitment that this is the place I'm going to be and despite whatever happens, I'm going to covenant to make this work in a godly way, not in a control way? Okay, let's go through this, this list and I'm not really going to be able to pat it out. As I said, no particular order. Firstly, obedience. Jesus was obedient to his Father and he asked us to be the same. What does that mean? When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Obedience is obviously something that we need to remain in, the God, in God's love, right? From that verse. So that's from John 15 verse 10. We make a commitment to work through problems and disagreements. Jesus said this, So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and, you're, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. We are not meant to be people who don't sort things out. All right. There are some times when you need to just face what is happening and come together as brother and sister and work it out. And saying that, you know, in a body, not everyone's going to be thinking the same. We're all at different levels of maturity or understanding. And, and God says that we're meant to be patient kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another until what? We come into unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. There's people in here who theologically disagree with what I say. That's okay. I might be wrong. You might be wrong. But God's saying, listen, don't let the little things divide you. The things that you don't agree on totally, don't let them be something that becomes a big offense. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as Christ has forgiven you. So that's the second thing. Committed to giving in all sorts of ways. Jesus said give to Caesar. What belongs to Caesar? God. What belongs to God? We've got to give to God. Then it says in Ephesians chapter 4, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and give generously to others in need. And as we read through that passage in Acts, it was the same, wasn't it? Those that were in need had people that would give to them. There is a requirement for us to be a generous giver. Who gave more than God? No. 
Who gave more than Jesus? No one. No one. And that is something he's asking for us to be as a community. Are you giving your time? Are you giving your talents? Are you giving your treasure to, to grow the kingdom of God in this place and to give to other people? Are you sowing into people's lives? Or are you the person who always wants someone to look after you and your problems? These are the questions you need to ask. How often have you helped someone? How often have you received help? Because God wants us to be able to do both. Give and get. And the best way to get is to give. Because God says if you give, it will be given to you. Okay? So into people's lives in the community. Give to the community around us. Sharing. tied up in that as well but it's a little bit of a different slant on it it's where you're not actually giving away but you're starting to share are you sharing your time are you sharing your house hospitality jesus we know was always feasting with people wasn't he sometimes they came to him sometimes he went to them but hospitality is something that is so important and honestly i find it less and less than it used to be just from growing up in church okay and I'm really working on that with Joe this year. How can we increase our hospitality? Because I believe it's so important that we're opening our homes to other people. If it's not your home, are you hospitable with your time? Have you got time when someone says, hey, can you just meet up with me? Have you got time when you feel like God's prompting you to call someone and say, can you come and join me for a cup of coffee? Hospitality is not always opening up your home. It can also be just giving people your time and, and sharing time with them, having a coffee. That builds relationships. It was such a strong part of that society back then. If someone came to your house, you had the obligation for up to three days to, to house that person in your house. It went a little bit further than that. What it also meant was that if they had enemies that were after them, you were meant to protect them from that enemy. You had to feed them, clothe them if they needed it, and when they were on their way, you had to supply something for them. We, we sort of think of this hospitality thing a lot more shallow than that, don't we? Think of it, hospitality, hospital, they're linked, aren't they? That care for the soul as well as the body. How hospitable are you in that? How hospitable is this church? As I said, if someone comes in, are we welcoming? Are we here to heal their hurts or are we here to just have a good time together? Inclusiveness. Jesus just changed everything in this area. Think of the woman at the well who wasn't even meant to be talking to a woman for a start and a Samaritan. Whoa. Why don't you just go and break all the rules, Jesus? In fact, that area, instead of travelling through it normally, if you were really an honest Jew, you would travel around it. You would go the long way, just so you didn't go through and be contaminated by those people. Jesus changed that around. He healed and looked after people who weren't Jews. Samaritans, he looked after them, even a Roman officer's servant. He went so far beyond the bounds, and that is what we should be as a church. Are we inclusive? Are we prepared to accept people where they're at and allow God to heal them? Non-judgmental but discerning. Okay. We are not called to judge people as in condemn and, and say the judgment to them, but also we're meant to be discerning. 
We don't just want crazy people in here that are going to harm others, do we? It's a hard one for us Christians, and I'd love to do a lesson on that because we're always thinking, oh, we can't judge, so that means that this person's doing all these bad things and we can't judge them. Wrong. Jesus said, you better judge. He said, by the fruit you shall know them, right? There is a time when we need to be careful and judge those things. We want this church to be safe. That's why we're doing this child safety training with our with our children's church people so that they can look and see is there anyone here who could be dangerous to our kids you need to be discerning but not judgmental think of Jesus when, when that um, lady the prostitute was dragged before the people he's so awesome they were there ready to kill her and throw the stones and he just stood there and wrote in the ground and said is any of you without sin you can throw the first stone it said the crowd slowly dispersed <laughs> isn't that us isn't that us? Just so amazingly loving and forgiving are we like that with each other. This is what a Christian community needs. Generational. Not thinking that this is just for the adults, just for the kids, just for the youth, and we separate everything. We need to sometimes work out, how do we do this generationally? How do I include kids in this Christian life? Because it's really easy as a teenager to feel like you're not part of it how are we going to do that something we're wrestling with missional there's nothing that binds people together more than missional together nothing when you're spending time with someone with purpose and a mission it brings you together think of it to yourself was there a camp you went on was there a, a retreat that you went on with people was there something a mission trip that you did how close you feel to those people it is a strong and powerful bond. Being thankful. Jesus had that thankful heart and he's asking us to be the same. Servant hearted. Jesus, the Lord of all, came and washed the feet of the disciples. Are we servant hearted towards one another? That's one I really want to pack out because when we start to think of leadership, especially in church, it is so different to what we normally think of leadership. How servant-hearted are you? Have you got a servant heart towards this place? And, and honestly, is there something that you can do here that I've said before? Do you serving someone else? The people who put out these chairs, why do they do it? They do it because they're servant-hearted because you need somewhere to sit so you can hear the word of God. Why do people do children's church? Because there might be a mother in here who's just had the kids all week, needs a touch from God, and they get a chance to sit down and listen to a message. It might even be someone who has never become a Christian. And they're sitting there, and they're like, my kids are being looked after. And all of a sudden, the Word of God comes alive to her. Because someone has given up time to serve in the children's church. Or set out this stuff here, or, or do communion, whatever it is. Is there something here that you can do as a task that you're not? but also servant-hearted towards each other around our homes. And the last one here, I'll just say respectful of authority. This is something that is unusual for Australians, right? Yet in a Christian community, there's a respect for those, not just in the church, but without the church, where they said, you need to respect those around you. You need to pray for the government and the leaders, not criticise them. Hard one, that one, isn't it? Because we all think they're doing such a bad job and, and maybe they are. 
That's not being naive, but are we trusting and following and growing together as a community? Okay. I'll leave it there for today, but we're going to pat a few of those things out, especially as, we, as I said, as we start to look at the gifts that God might have given you. If we do this in the wrong way, the gifts can become a millstone around your neck that stop the Spirit of God actually moving. And God wants us all to be bound together. Think about that picture this week as well. Are you an individual that's just out there and, you know, you get the people that say, we don't need to go to church. Rubbish. The Bible very clearly says, don't neglect assembling together as some do. And what happens with them, it says that they just end off going their own way. Okay, you do need to. Do I have any investment in that? Not really. doesn't make me any better a person if there's more people here and you're out there. But you see, what God says is this is for you, for your sake. Just don't do it. And on that point too, he says we're all members of a body and we're meant to be growing together, each member doing its own part. And if you're by yourself, You've just disassociated yourself from the body of Christ. That's a dangerous place to be. Are you someone who just gathers on a Sunday here? Are you, are you, you never see anyone else here during the week. Sometimes it's other people's fault. Yeah, I get it. No one's talked to me, whatever. But if you've been here two years, surely you'd be able to. It's, it, and honestly, it's not such a big place that if you are here and you only know five people by name, then you need to ask someone what their name is and just say hello. Seriously. And I just sound so stupid and simple, but how could it be that I've been coming here for three years and you've been coming here for two years, I don't know your name? When we're this size, you understand what I'm saying, right? And that's really important because... You know, even if someone comes to church and they like the preaching and everything, if we don't have friends, we're going to leave. People don't stay in churches because of the preacher. If I left tomorrow, but all you guys are really good friends, you just get someone else and you'll still live in this great community that you live in. Which is the way it should be, right? Growing each other, encouraging each other, loving each other, building each other up. So, when you look at those pictures, are you like this person during the week, on Sunday, during the week. We don't have any other relationship with people in this church. It's not the way God's asked us to live, okay? Now, that last one, you've got bonds. You, you know this person, you've got this small group over here. Maybe there's a missional community over here that you go and do mission with or a friend or two friends that you meet and have coffee with and, and you're building that relationship intentionally. Can you understand this? No friendships happen accidentally. They're intentional. When you start to decide, I'm going to build a friendship, that's when it grows. It's intentional. And maybe it's you that needs to step out. The Bible says that in order to have friends, you need to be friendly. And maybe it's something that God needs to deal with in you. So, you know, I went to uni when I was young and... Um, when I first got there, it's my second year. My first year, I, I think I knew two people in the whole of the university, maybe a couple more. But then I went to Canberra and I was in a college situation. And and I just know, I, God was basically saying, hey, you need to step out, break that shell, 
Look at me, I'm shy. You don't know that, right? You look at me and say, he's not shy. I can tell you right now, if I lived by what I thought I was, I'd still be shy today. But God is challenging us to be these people that step out and be bold. And and I guess, too, that's the word of God working inside you, you know, where you're reading it and you're going like, the Bible says, you know, the righteous are as bold as lions. Whoa! <laughs> no, I'm just shy. Rubbish. If you are born again, you've been translated from the old life into a new one. If you don't want to be shy anymore, you don't have to be. Your decision. So where are the bonds that you have? And you need all different ones. You need close friends. As we've said before, you need a group where you can have that sort of, you know, good conversation. You need a place where you can invite people and love on them, even those that might not be part of a church or, or never see Jesus Christ. Think of that as a church. Where's the place for that? Have we created something that people can come into and feel non-threatened but loved? And you need this, the gathering together as a community.